This presentation is from UX Australia 2020, Day 2. Our next speaker is Kath Hills. Kath is joining us. Here she comes. Kath is the Senior Manager for Experience Strategy at Publicist Sapien. Hi, Kath. Hi, Steve. How are you going? I'm well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure as always. Are you ready to go? Yeah, yeah. I'll just have to do the share. Um, and I really enjoyed that talk by Keith. I thought it was fantastic. Yes. A lot of really important issues there around our practice areas. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> All, All right. right. Over to you. Thank you, Steve. Um, and thanks, everyone at UX Australia. I'm just getting the share up and running and we will go for it. So um, hopefully I'll run on time too, Steve. I tend to say a lot. <laughs> um, perfect. Thanks, Kath. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, my talk is all about a study I've just completed uh, as part of a major thesis at RMIT. And I really resonated with um, the last talk. I thought the issues were really interesting um, and certainly contributed to some of the concerns I had in the study. So um, this is all about users and designers, but it's housed in the context of e-commerce. And I guess um, just to um, you know, introduce myself again, I'm Kath. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Daughter of Bev. I'm a senior manager and acting head of experience at Sapient in Australia. And I run a team um, of wonderful, talented people in different disciplines in design. And we specialise in transformation. Um, I'm really passionate about education and learning and equity and inclusion. So um, UX Australia is really close to my heart. And I love this conference because it really wraps its arms around people in industry as well as education and sharing knowledge. So um, again, thanks to Steve and, and the UX Australia team for selecting this talk. Um, I'm also a teacher, so I, I, I play a role as a sessional academic at the School of Design at RMIT in Melbourne as well. So um, my talk is all about the information that I unpacked through this research and I've been doing this part-time while acting as a designer and researcher in industry full-time. And I am talking about this today because I think it's really important for us as designers to continually remind ourselves that we can never um, be unbiased. And I suppose um, that's um, one of the reasons why I'm presenting today. So I guess um, with um, the work that I've done in this space in e-commerce and researching designers and users, one of the things I was looking at was um, how our mental models are similar and different. And so it was a social science qualitative study that I undertook as part of a, ma a major thesis. And I was looking at how designers and users see things similarly um, and also how they see, them, see things differently. And it's probably not a newsflash to know that people involved in the design of systems, products and services do see, see things differently, naturally, um, even if we are consumers of those services ourselves. So part of this work was um, to speak with people. And I know that um, People um, in this conference are really big on that, and that's a really big part of what we do in design research. So um, as part of the process of analysing the data I collected, I created um, something called data narratives, which were extracted into quotes like these that you can see in front of you. Um, and the data narratives helped me understand the themes that came through in this research. 
So you can see here, this is a de-identified participant called Donnie, and Donnie's talking about an aspect of a e-commerce experience um, that he liked or disliked. And you can see here that um, there were some insights around how Donnie felt about this experience and also what um, annoyed him. And then here is another quote from another narrative from designers who I interviewed. So I had a um, number of designer participants also who talked about experiences too and were asked the same questions. And you can see Kate's comments here about taxonomy and information architecture, as well as other aspects of the design and the experience that she was recalling in the interview. So the uh, title of the study was Contributing Factors to the User Experience of E-commerce Websites. And this came from the perspective of usability, user expectations and the designer perspective. And the background to this research was that when I started thinking about being certified, um, and I thought that that last talk was really relevant because I was looking at how can I certify my knowledge? Um, I was already um, acting as a designer and a researcher commercially in industry, and I was working for a large e-commerce business, um, designing um, directly into the experience of a marketplace and looking at this in this photo here at a um, checkout prototype. I was also a consumer of these experiences. I still am, as we, many of us are. I don't want to say all of us, but many of us have adopted e-commerce as a way of buying things. And um, I'm the queen of abandoned carts. So um, all of us have different interactions and behaviours, as we know, with um, e-commerce. So often when we're working in software engineering, we're often focusing on the during and what's happening um, when people interact directly with the software that we're designing. But um, as we would all be aware that th um, things happen before, during and after, and there is a service quotient to the design of e-commerce that isn't attended to enough, I don't believe, um, in the way we think about e-commerce design. And um, on, on that basis as designers, we're constantly interacting with these aspects of the experience and consumers of these experiences are also interacting with them. And as designers, we're supporting what's happening before, during and after and around those experiences through the decisions we make within our businesses and teams. So this was really a motivation to do this work. I decided to do the research um, in an information systems certification. So instead of going directly into design, I wanted to apply the design lens in a different area. And I was looking at information systems because it was more all encompassing. It could address the things I wanted to talk about in my research. And I also could think about it not both from the technology lens and the social science lens because of work systems. And looking at these definitions, you can see that information systems affects many parts of the interactions that we have as designers, as workers in these systems, and also how we enact the experiences through our design um, outputs and the outcomes for these customers and people who interact with these designs can both interact within the organisations we serve and outside of them. So the opportunity to contribute was a good um, motivation and I can't endorse this enough. It is a lot of work. It took me several years to do this and I had an outcome um, that was a, a theoretical framework. Um, and I'll talk about that now and, and tell you what that was like to actually unpack. Um, so moving forward to mental models. What are mental models? Um, we talk about that a lot in design research um, and UX and human-centered design. Um, 
And I guess in software engineering, we think about mental models in relation to what users interact with, and they can be theoretical or diagrammatic. And when we think about these mental models um, in design strategy, we might be talking about the value exchange between people um, and organisations, for example, or we might be talking in user experience design of systems, products and services with the interaction layer. Um, and where we actually interact with the people who are touching those experiences and taking those experiences away with them. Also thinking about um, information systems helped me look at the three lenses of innovation and human-centred design and um, thinking about how I could actually bring those concerns to the table in the recommendations I could make through this study. And it was important um, in scholarly research and um, anyone who's done it before would know that um, it's not enough just to have commercial um, definitions of um, what e-commerce is. So there was a very thorough literature review looking at um, e-commerce research, um, which I found to be heavily quantitative. Um, lots of stuff about e-commerce usability, but also a field area that was around e-services that related to e-commerce and the um, nature of e-commerce exchange both within the software system and around it and outside of it. Um, so definitely a broad area and well um, investigated, but not qualitatively. And that's something that we do all the time in human-centered design is think about things qualitatively because we want to understand the why. And we want that tacit information from people's minds and how they're feeling and interacting with things. We want that out so we can actually improve things for these people. And understanding e-commerce usability, um, you know, is great if you have, you know, quantitative, statistically significant information, but if you don't understand why that information exists, and especially if you don't know what designers think about that information, um, it's also a little bit of a blind spot. And that's what I saw through the work that I did. So not only considering the importance of usability and the people who use the systems, products and services in e-commerce, um, but the designers and thinking about why they think the way they do and what motivates them to think the way they do was important. And also thinking about empathy, which I think has been up for discussion a lot in industry recently and thinking about the way we partner with the people we serve. So it could be that we talk in the language of partnering with people within our businesses and organisations and our teams, but we also need to think about the way we partner with users and customers and consumers, because they're the people who interact with us and endorse the work that we do. I also wanted to consider the operational constraints that impacted on decision-making that affected design, and that was looked at in the background of the research, and I'd love to extend that, and I really think it's a topical conversation right now. Um, in um, addition to the fact that that affected design decisions and um, the endorsement of design decisions um, for the people we design for. Um, so definitely looking at that as a best practice problem space in the literature review. So going back to the research question, what are the similarities and differences in the way that users and designers perceive the user experience of e-commerce systems? I was looking to answer that to help create recommendations so people could think reflectively about the decisions they were making for users in our industry area in our profession. And thinking about mental models, um, you can see here in this um, Ginter and Stevens definition, they're not scientific. And this suited social science really well, because um, we know that things are different and a little bit more ambiguous. And 
um, when we talk about things that are unscientific and make it explicit, um, it's quite interesting. So going back again to these models that leveraged um, or underpinned the framework of my research design, I really look closely at Norman. Um, Norman obviously is fundamental to the way we think about user-centred design and certainly underpins um, our human-centred design thinking in many respects. And you can see here the um, 88 Norman Draper model of mental models and also the um, Norman and Autony designers and users um, looking at the different things that design um, considers versus the um, impact on users and the exper experiential qualities that um, users interact with. I was also looking at Nielsen because of Nielsen's influence and also the fact that um, we can't ignore the um, abilities uh, of people who design versus people who may interact um, and which may be mixed and of varying abilities um, or expertise or knowledge based on domain understanding, system understanding and technology understanding. So all of these things have an impact on the way we see um, systems, products and services more broadly. So these central knowledge domains were defined um, iteratively over time and they formed and reformed several times through the literature review and data collection that was um, done um, and data analysis that was done iteratively during the course of my research um, and affected the structure of the thesis and the way things were looked at and the lenses. So the lenses that I used were usability, user expectations and the design and perspective, focusing on examples of e-commerce. Um, and you can see here that we have two participant groups um, and very specific to the previous example here, um, they were users and designers. So very much um, taking that forward into two explicit groups. Designers were considered to be potentially consumers, as I said before, of these technologies, but they were involved in the design process and the users um, were non-designers explicitly um, and all were conveniently sampled. And this went through an ethics process with the university as well as a permission and consent process with my employer who allowed me to speak to people within the business that I worked for. So looking at the methodology and the design at a very high level, um, it was the same questions that I answered both group, I asked both groups and asked them to answer and also the same um, approach. And this was um, using, um, uh, a primary data collection that was qualitative with a secondary data collection that helped me understand um, and support that analysis later on. So the process was um, primarily interview based um, and I'll show you the structure. Um, it was divided into part A and part B and um, there was a testing instrument that helped me understand and um, clarify responses in the second part, part B. Um, and as I said before, um, the process was mirrored for both groups. Uh, the questionnaires were paper-based, um, consent was introduced as you would imagine, and um, uh, all participants were de-identified in the study. So um, when we looked at part A, it was um, very much a reflective process, and then part B was um, using stimuli or instruments that were website examples. And as I said before, the goal was not to run usability testing, it was to um, look at perceptions and expectations in relation to the two participant groups. Uh, as a result of the data collection, um, the results were merged for comparison after a process. 
and then um, convergence and divergence in the themes that were unpacked were identified. Um, so the steps are actually listed in these slides. Um, I thought it was interesting to keep the detail. Um, I won't read it all out, but you can see that there was quite a lot of um, steps involved in the um, analysis um, steps and stages. These were sometimes iterative, sometimes they were collaborative with my supervision team. Um, I wrote, I had a professional transcription service, I de-identified the people and um, wrote narratives which were part of the analysis process. Um, and it was really fun because I was able to create stories that were, um, you know, factual um, to understand um, and do preliminary investigations around the themes and really immersed myself in the data. After that, I ran, um, you know, manual and automated um, uh, thematic analysis. I used the NVivo tool, which generated these outcomes here. Um, and some of you may have used this before. It was quite a useful tool. I also used old fashioned Excel um, to count things. And I used post-it notes before this and after this lots and lots of passes and repasses and refactoring and going back to the drawing board. Um, the goal was to understand evidence, essence and data. So looking at the utterance counts and looking at the context of those utterances, as we would in um, our industry practices and approaches with um, thematic analysis and affinity mapping, for example, and going really deep on the causation of those um, comments and understanding what people meant when they were saying things. So um, thinking about enjoyment, um, I looked at this because the hedonic layer has been addressed quite a lot in the literature around enjoyment. And in industry, we often talk about delightful experiences. So I thought, well, what is really delightful and why do people enjoy e-commerce? And um, looked at this, um, and this is quite a representative comment from one of the user participants looking at what was enjoyable. And he mentioned specifically security, costs, trust, quality, and knowing that he was getting a good deal. So that was that value exchange factor. Um, some of this isn't surprising, um, especially when you look at the comparison and um, the fact that there were divergent themes here around what both the user participants and the designer participants found enjoyable. So, um, you know, effective usability, positive customer experience, effective navigation and information design, easy to use and efficient task flows, and clear and findable information. All of those things you'd expect would be part of a good experience. And both designers perceive this, um, both designers perceive this and users expected this. Users um, said other things like easy to use. Um, again, seems like a no brainer, but that was a basic expectation, feeling safe again. Um, also the um, fulfillment of orders and what happened later and that expectation setting was really important. All of this um, seems obvious, but it was great to get it out of people. When we spoke to designers, designers spoke about enjoyment in a bit of a different way. So designers were thinking about things like feature level um, improvements or what I would call enablers. So they were thinking about things that would enable a good experience and potentially the things that the user participants were asking for. And they told us about this in a way that was very technical. So an interesting factor there and, and difference in the lens of the designer participants to the user participants. And you can see um, more detail here um, around factors that people enjoyed most versus the next um, slide, which covers least. 
Um, it users with what they said that they enjoyed most and designers with what they said they enjoyed most was slightly different. So um, users were much more in the experience in the sense that they were talking about things that might happen to them. Whereas um, designers were talking about things that they could do. Um, so the technical perceptions were there, um, feature level ideas and the system perspective. And going back to Nielsen's user categories, you can see the impact um, of um, domain knowledge, extensive computer experience and um, you know, um, the domain expertise. Um, when you go back to least enjoyed, the, you can see um, that there's more similarities. Um, it seems that designer participants were more empathetic to pain points or what we would call in industry and software engineering and product delivery low-hanging fruit. Um, they were thinking about things that would help um, designers and there were really good intentioned comments and statements here. So the outcomes of the research, as I said before, formed a theoretical framework and um, the uh, impact um, on me, for me as a researcher was really just around the things that I found were surprising and interesting based on my biases as a designer and researcher as well. So um, things like colour were really important to um, people who were interacting with these systems as users and consumers. Information and wayfinding may be more expected and understood and simplicity was really important too. So they were high level findings. Um, users and designers found the themes of um, themes in common. Um, so there were themes that we would all concur are important around um, any experience, but particularly in um, e-commerce, um, user goals and needs being understood ease of use, clarity and presentation, time on task, so minimising time on task and straightforward functionality. All of these things designers and, and user participants in these two groups in the study agreed on. So the theoretical framework um, for usability had three high level um, outcomes, so ease of use, navigation and um, information provision and presentation were the top factors and they had supporting factors associated with them. I don't know how I'm doing for time. I'll just have to check. I forgot to put my timer on, Steve. <laughs> Getting close, Kat. Okay, um, I'll try to speed up. <laughs> um, designers, um, the recommendation I made through this research was that designers needed to understand more deeply um, the themes that came through user expectations. So these themes were usable systems, meeting information needs and having a positive experience. And, Again, they seem very high level, but the detail was really interesting around these factors. So what did simplicity mean to users? Well, I'd have to take you through my thesis, but um, some of the information around that, and these were very much interactive and codependent factors in terms of interdependencies, um, were trust in the system, being able to complete their goals, colour information and wayfinding. The visual presentation of information was hugely important for most people. Um, familiarity, security, um, the purchase experience, and also looking at information appearance and appeal. And so again, um, these were the factors that came out and there were varying factors beneath them and detail that were really important um, around user expectations of usable systems, meeting information needs and the positive customer experience. And I think as an industry, we're still getting there because personalization isn't perfect. We can't predict new users' um, uh, needs easily and um, we need to go deeper on our generative research to understand those people 
in the onboarding into these experiences, as well as understanding what constitutes a positive experience. Is it really what designers think is, is positive or is it something much more basic? Looking at the um, visual presentation, um, designers need to think about that and look at relevancy and really think about relevancy in the whole experience and um, how that interacts with product definitions, um, product and feature level definitions of acceptance criteria around what we actually design for users and what we present to them at the right time. So a lot of this is fundamental to right time, just in time, just in context needs of users, but very specific to e-commerce um, around content design and information and hierarchy um, of information needs for, for um, the users that we spoke to. In terms of um, coming through to um, designers, um, the designers focus more on certain things and um, some of those things were, again, enablers for many of these things that users expected, but they may not um, necessarily in enable the outcomes that designers would perceive to be um, the outcome that users expected. So the correlation between expectations and perceptions wasn't always there, um, especially when we looked at actual examples of experiences that both users and designers had in common. So looking at the um, perceptions of e-commerce websites and looking at the high-level factors that designers should really consider, um, there was a real focus on expectations of users in relation to information detail, proximity of information, in-system support and customer service. And then looking at the effective information design side, looking at the scale and information hierarchy, looking at the imagery, looking at the um, image quality and the brand potentially as well. But um, the factor of importance of brand was much more important for the designer than the user population. And then looking at the user needs, looking at positive interactions and what they meant to users rather than just assuming we understood them and also looking at the relevance to users. So. Um, I think that the ease of use and enabling user flow in e-commerce design and effective experiences can be better understood by really gleaning from um, the user, the user's intentions and motivations. And we often um, look at those quite closely in um, situ to features that we're improving on. And we also look at them in um, conventional flow contexts, but do we really look at the jobs to be done and the motivations for the users being there and what they really need and what would support a better experience around security and trust. That's where we can leverage um, better flow and better interactions if we try harder. So um, the UX needs to support um, more effective goal completion and um, trustworthy and robust patches and security processes in our, um, in our uh, um, support of the experience in order to um, establish trust in the system for users. And this was the highest um, sort of um, importance factor for the um, user population in the study. And when we looked at the interactions between these factors, um, you could see that this corresponded really well to um, Norman's original model. Um, however, the factors that supported the e-commerce context were um, specific to um, a very select um, interactions that we'd only find in e-commerce. So um, this extended that model in this um, area. And I'll just go to the next slide. So um, 
sorry, uh, Steve, I think I may be running out of time, but um, so I guess um, the outcome is that um, we really need to make sure that we um, support primarily um, usability factors that we know and understand are hygiene um, in industry and that we need to really encourage and build capability in our design teams around understanding usability more thoroughly to make sure that we achieve these goals for users. And I think going back to the previous talk, um, we know that people come from many different areas into e-commerce design and related fields and software. Um, and if we don't, um, you know, um, make sure that that capability um, area and, and the people who support these experience areas in the design process understand the hygiene factors around e-commerce and the support of people feeling safe and, you know, having a trustworthy experience, they'll um, ultimately not feel very comfortable and maybe um, we won't be able to innovate more effectively in the future. So again, going back to the before, during and after and the interaction between these areas and looking at the theoretical framework and how we actually maximise um, what we see as important versus what the user sees as important, we can rely on frameworks like this to really improve basics around information design, visual presentation, findable information, straightforward functionality. And um, I guess for me, um, doing this study really helped me understand and validate how important those things were, um, especially in the conversations I was having um, at work and also um, seeing maybe the um, different lenses we had um, within businesses around how important it was to um, design inclusively for the people that were using these systems. So um, definitely um, looking at the experiential factors around and throughout the software journey um, in the design process. So um, I guess um, that was a pretty high level view and um, I just wanted to say thank you to Steve for letting me talk about it. Um, I think that um, basically um, there will be some published articles as a result of this and I guess um, for me it was very much about understanding um, rigorous um, theoretical um, sort of knowledge um, in the area as well as interpreting that into my professional practice. Thanks very much, Kath. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. We have um, like a, a question which I'll get you to take a look at um, and answer in the in the chat. Um, thank you very much for that. It was a, a really interesting look at, at some of those factors that both sides um, need to take into account. So thank you for that. That's okay. <laughs>